Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Kami Sharia. And I'm Monica Ainley. And you're listening to Fashion No Filter, where we sit down with some of the lead creatives, strategic thinkers, and emerging talent around us to interpret the ins and outs of the fashion industry today. Hello, everyone. We're back. Welcome back to Fashion No Filter. We have just got a spectacular episode for you today, and I'll tell you why. In last episode, we had a brilliant discussion with Vanessa Friedman. Hopefully, you've had a chance to catch up on that. We kind of took a cue from her and realized how different, well, the real difference between a fashion glossy and a reviewer for a newspaper like the New York Times. And we wanted to uh, follow up on the same subject, uh, Fashion After Me Too, with an editor of an important fashion glossy. Yeah, we felt that would bring real perspective on where the fashion industry really is now after the hashtag Me Too movement, but also on what it takes to publish a magazine of that caliber with a real point of view. And who better to do that than Lucy Yeomans? Not only is she the editor of the brilliant Porter magazine, who's, uh, which has a circulation that has completely exceeded expectations in a time, you know, it was launched in a time, a few years back in a time when everybody else was doing the complete opposite and launching digital. So she has a very unique perspective. Absolutely. And we couldn't wait to hear from her. And also, I think this one is a little bit special and close to our hearts because I don't know if you know this, but both Monica and I had a stint at Net-A-Porter. We both worked there. It's true. Not at the same time. But I think it was a real learning experience for both of us. I mean, it's such a giant in our industry. Absolutely. Um, but she does something actually... The only element of Net-A-Porte that is actually a continuation of what we refer to as old media. So uh, she has a great perspective. And the interview was absolutely brilliant. She comes with some real interesting thoughts and ideas. Great advice on how to get into uh, magazines, if that's what's interesting to you. But also the thought process that goes behind editing such, a, such an important global magazine, which has a Im very important voice. And that has a real focus on strong women. Powerful women, absolutely. So without further ado, here's the interview. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We are sitting here in the offices of Netaporte in London. With a view on Shepherd's Bush? Well, Notting Hill, all the way as Holland far Park. as the eye can see. <laughs> Holland Park, I suppose. Um, it's quite an amazing office. Big, big glass windows way up high. And you get a real London view. And we are with Lucy Yeomans, the editor-in-chief of Porter magazine. Thank you for joining us, Lucy. Thank you for having me. Well, no, I'm having you, but anyway. Well, yes, we have technically invaded your office. And it's quite emotional for us because both Monica and I used to work here at different times. Yes. Me, it was my first job in fashion, and I really do feel it's part of my, I hate the word, but my journey. Um, I don't think if I'd worked here, I would have sort of gotten all the all the stuff that the I needed. Yeah, yeah, no, there's an incredible I amount think of also when, when, from working here. When I first worked here, Instagram wasn't a thing and I was part yeah. of the first people using it. And having written on your account the fact that you worked in Netaporte was that a big was a Willy big Wonka deal. ticket. Yes. Yeah. It yeah. really was. At the time Netaporte I mean and still is, but it really was the leader yeah. in that sort of digital content space. And you were here when Porter launched, were you? Yes, not? I was here when you arrived. Ah. It was such an interesting time to be here because obviously, and that's what we want to to ask you about, like what was it like launching a print magazine yeah. when everybody was focusing on digital? And I guess more specifically, we wanted to know what was the original intention of Porter? Porter really came about from various conversations with myself and Natalie Porter's founder, Natalie Massonet. We had worked together... Um, Many years previously, or only a few years previously. Where had you worked um, at together? At Commonas, we worked at Tatler together, and I'd gone on to 
head at Harper's Bazaar and she'd gone on to set up a small business called Net-A-Porter. <laughs> and, um, so as a result, our paths crossed a lot. We were, A, we were friends, but also we would always, you know, have those sort of dinners after in, you know, in Paris and New York after fashion shows. And what really was sort of striking me at the time was that, you know, I was at, I was at Hearst magazines. It's very siloed by country. And what really appealed to me about Netaporte was this totally global proposition that felt completely right for this time. You know, print magazines had been around long before the internet. You know, they used to mm. have to ship plates across the Atlantic with, with, with Harper's Bazaar years and years ago um, to change a plate, which seems extraordinary now. Yeah. But um, I just thought it's amazing because I would sit there and I had my Harper's Bazaar UK. I was completely in control of what went in that magazine. But I remember one, I remember one time having this coming into the office and my assistant said to me, gosh, I've had all these calls from people complaining about the new cover. I can't even remember who was on the cover, but it was, it was, it was like Kate Blanchett, somebody like this. I was like, what? Why are they complaining? And Harper's Bazaar US at the same time had Kim Kardashian on the cover and she wasn't too many months away from the sex scandal. And so online, on the, probably the Daily Mail online, it was reported Kim Kat Kardashian covers Harper's Bazaar. And at the time, she wasn't Kim Kardashian of yeah, today. Yeah. And there was this massive furore. And I was like, no, 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 that's the US version. And now I think we live in an age where it's global community. Mm, yeah, and I really felt that there was this amazing opportunity to create a global media business within Netaporte. Print, digital, a kind of combination of the both. Um, and it was just something that kind of came from our conversations after like late night McQueen shows in Paris. How cool. <laughs> and, and why print, obviously? Because you could have just continued to develop that as an online entity. Like, there was the edit that was still yeah. doing so well, and still is. Still yeah, is. and actually, the edit wasn't even called the edit then. It was called just the magazine. Mm. And obviously, that's how Natalie had started it. So when she came to me, I was very focused on being a print person. I was very focused on this print magazine. Um, because I believe that it delivers a different experience it's a deeper experience it's much more curatorial you've got you know 300 pages where you're really sort of putting your arms around a season around you know the, the, the zeitgeist all those kind of issues in a way that I that I don't think digital can it's a different way that you consume that type of content you don't have the big long form articles etc but Natalie was like look and you've got 52 editions of the magazine to do every every week as well and you could put anyone you like on those and I remember thinking how on earth am I going to get people to to do that but it was exciting and actually when I came and I think when we worked together that was what it was the yeah. magazine became the edit which has obviously now become the porter edit it's part of this whole kind of porter ecosystem and previously it had sort of unknown models on the cover occasionally you'd had a sort of guest star mm. probably been you know paid for the the privilege to you know to to to, to be in on the Netaporte magazine and I thought wait a minute this is an amazing global platform for mm. these people if you've got a movie coming out if you've got something coming out you know something you want to promote this is an amazing space to actually be seen by a certain type of you know fashion loving audience and so you know but the first I you know persuaded my friend Natalia Vodianova to do the very first I cover that. I you were here that. You worked on that issue. <laughs> you worked on that issue. Um, and, you know, and was shot by Paolo Reversi. So we just took it and we took it right up and we 
really hired a much more editorial based team um, and so you know and we got Sarah Jessica Parker Kareem Rockfield did one of wow. the early covers so I just kind of was a bit friends and family like you believe you believe come on let's do this and then slowly that has picked up and now we have you know we have incredible people on the cover I mean I would say everyone pretty much everyone who's been on the cover of the print has been on the cover of the digital and people love it because it's it's like an exocet missile if you've got a movie coming out on Friday that issue can come out the very mm. you know that weekly digital issue can come out that day but the print for me is important because it's almost like a, it's a bit like a sort of flagship store or a sort of couture show mm-hmm. there's a place for you to really sort of express your intention what the DNA of your product is it, it's it has a real it has a much more emotional connection mm. and actually before we launched it we did a lot of research one of the things that's great here because I think at traditional publishing companies you're kind of putting this product out there and you don't quite know who's consuming it here because Netaporte has such a close relationship with its customers either through EIPs through personal you know through personal shopping all these different departments have very close relationships so we were able to actually ask the Netaporte consumer what they wanted and they loved they still loved print they really valued it maybe they didn't want it quite as often mm-hmm. and we went down to six but they love the fact that you could read it in the bath possibly yeah. without being electrocuted <laughs> um, but they love the emotional connection and they like the idea of something that was truly global that had different women from different parts of the world sharing yeah. their style their story their, their success um, and so, um, yeah, so we, we went ahead with it. Well, I'm so glad you did. <laughs> and how um, would you describe Porter's voice or editorial line? How is it different from other female glosses? Well, it's funny, actually, because it slightly came about by chance. But our very, you know, I remember when we were putting the first issue together and we had, you know, we were blocked by other magazine companies from using various photographers there was quite a lot of fear oh, of course I remember that Do you remember it was quite yes quite tricky um, but what really you know as we were working on it and we were sort of putting that first issue together it's completely blank it's not like taking in Harper's Bazaar and going right what am I going to do to Harper's Bazaar or taking on Vogue what's my Vogue it was like what is Porter what is it about and as we were having challenges with photographers and we we're very fortunate that Innocent Venue sort of really backed us and spent a year working mm. with us really establishing us and I remember actually having a conversation with Ines and about, about with Ines actually about how I thought the ported woman should be um, I just had my baby at the time so I'm just, you know, sort of flitting around but I just had my baby at the time and she was four months old when I started thinking about it and I just looked at the world and I thought does the world need another magazine you <laughs> know what do I want to say and I thought, I want a magazine that my little girl, I'll be proud for her to be reading when she's older. I'd always said to Natalie, you know, I like fashion, but I don't know if I not, really like fashion enough to work at Netaporte because, you know, you go there and you're That's like... That's so we funny. Say we've people had that exact People, like, hyperventilate when, like, they hear that a lie is coming on board or something. And I've always been more interested in what fashion... Is so we're the same. We're the same. Yeah. We are the same. Part. This yeah. is good. Because I feel fashion is, like, a power tool. I feel like... Yes. I feel like... I I dress and if I've got my salon velvet you know tuxedo jacket on I feel like I can take on the world but Agreed. I'm not it's about how it makes totally. me feel so actually our very first cover line was fashion to make you feel phenomenal so Natalie said to me well you're like a translator that's what we need we need someone to translate it for the women mm. so my view uh, my job I think editorially is to I'm all about her 
and I'm about colouring in her life and then dressing her in the clothes. But the clothes are there. Les Porte has fashion, has the most incredible fashion in the world. I'm there to kind of like put it in the context of her life, how she's going to wear it, where she's going to wear it, what conversation she might be having, what movie star she wants to know about or see. Mm. And it's a kind of yes. different thing. So I can't remember. And to make it more accessible because I think so many people find fashion a little bit scary. Yeah, I think the industry looks at itself a lot. Yeah. And I, I'm, I never look at the industry when I'm putting the magazine together. I look at her and what I'm saying to her. So at the very beginning, we came up with this, that's the question, I remember it now. We did Giselle. Ines and had sent me an image of Giselle. And I sort of imagined that Giselle was maybe going to look like how she looks on French Vogue. And instead she came in and it was very intimate and it was very, you know, you could see the freckles on her face. Mm. It was an extraordinary cover. And it took me two weeks to get... I, I was like, oh, my God, I don't, I don't know if this cover's going to work. You know, like, this isn't, this isn't fashion enough. This is something else. And Inez said to me, she said, we, we listened to you. And this, we've just given you back the women you talked about. And then afterwards, I was like, you have. And it's amazing. And I do think that's something when you work with great photographers. You say something to them, and then you let them get on with it. Mm. And they'll always surprise you. And sometimes it takes you maybe a week or two to come to terms with what they've done but that's that's, that's how I felt about your Bella cover I oh. loved it I felt she looked so fresh on uh, it Hadid she was yeah. on a cover I, I, I don't know how many months ago but she was the same all freckly fresh face so clean mm. and pretty and young yeah, and like, we never see her like that yeah, I, want, yeah. I want to see her and we were just I just came from New York we were shooting our five year anniversary cover Ooh. very exciting are we allowed to know who's doing I can't say who it is but for the first time we've done it across digital and print Ooh. So very exciting and we were shooting her and it was very and it was it's beautiful and it was just like all I you know photographer the stylist it's like what, what are we doing I said, I just need to see her. Like, this is about her. Yes. She can wear fashion. Of course she can. And she looks amazing. And she's got the best body in the world, etc., etc. But I want to see the woman. And I want to know who she is. And we've always tried to do that. And I think, you know, the, the whole, you know, there's been a move towards a much more feminist approach in magazines. But actually... Our very first cover line was a celebration of incredible women. And I don't know how, where that came from. And it actually came after we printed it first. There was a printing error. And it came to me after we printed in America. And then the, I remember the production guy coming to me and saying, we've had an error, we're having to reprint. And I was like, oh, thank God, this is great. Because I've now got the line I want to say on the cover. And oh, that amazing. is what Porter was, an incredible oh, celebration karma. of incredible women. And that's become our absolute, every decision we make is founded by that. Wait, before, before you know, Hillary losing the election, before Donald Trump coming in, before oh, Me Too, before women's we were there. Yeah, so, we so, so to you, Porter magazine is a feminist magazine. I think it's a magazine that's on women's side. Absolutely, you know, feminism has lots of different meanings and lots of different people's. Ultimately, yes, but it is. It's a magazine that celebrates the achievements of women. It celebrates also, we're also, we're not afraid, you know, we'll tell the whole story. We don't always tell easy stories, which has been interesting, you know, in this environment. You know, we've had, sometimes that's been challenging. But I think, you know, I think it's about, I think being a feminist today is about being honest about what it's like to be a woman today, the struggles that you meet. You'll, you know, share those as much as you share your triumphs. And I think the Porter's always had that sense of vulnerability that allows the mistakes in, allows the freckles in, you know, allows that kind of sense yeah. of realness. And that, for me, is what was exciting. Um, I mean, it was funny because I think a lot of people thought, I think somebody said it rather famously in The Telegraph, another editor, that we were going to be a, 
uh, sort of Sainsbury's magazine catalogue for fashion and actually Ouch, that's nice. nice. Oh, <laughs> all right, it's okay. But it was sort of, but you know, I'm a, I'm, I love fashion, I love photography, um, I love features and actually I think our storytelling, our features has been really exceptional because it's really raised our game, I think, and um, really helped people to see us as something different, which is nice. So fast forward to the era of Me Too and post Me Too. What is a magazine promoting, even subtly as you do and in a beautiful way, um, today's female or feminist agenda uh, need to do to educate its readers without overwhelming them? And also, what what do you have to watch out for these days? It's really hard. I mean, we we sort of were ahead of the game because we were doing it all pre-Me Too. Yeah. Um, I think I was having a conversation with about somebody the other day. What I actually don't want to do is be in a situation where we're stripping women of the ability to be sensual. <laughs> no, that uh, no crazy. I completely, yeah. But like, because I've been, we've been so on that, we've been so championing women and yeah. women's rights and all those issues from the word go, you know, me thinking, I've got my little red, my six-year-old daughter in my yeah. head, I want to create a world that's going to be good for her, I want to create Porter, I want that feeling. Um, but now, actually, I think it's really interesting. I think people are very... St- I actually think we've got to be really careful. And we we had our... Um, we have an incredible women event that we have in... Um, well, we've had it for the past two years in LA, yes. our gala, which is co-hosted by a truly incredible woman, Donna Langley, who's the chairwoman of, chairman, chairwoman, I don't even know what to say, of <laughs> Universal Pictures. So not only the most powerful yeah. woman in Hollywood, but one of the most powerful people in Hollywood. Yeah. And we we do this series of readings of letters this year, Charlize Red, Sam Taylor Johnson, Charlize Theron, Ta- Sam Taylor Johnson. It was an amazing, amazing night of, of, of incredible readings. And it's all promoting... Uh, you know, talking about the triumphs of women and the struggles of women over the ages. And actually, it was funny because some people at the end said, maybe next year you need to let the men in. And I think that's kind of, I'm actually intrigued by that. Like, we've got to let the men have their thing, don't we? No, and I don't, I personally really feel that it's important for where we're going to include men. Yes. Because otherwise, you know, there's two... There are two sexes on this planet. Yes. And if they don't work together, we're going to have really big problems. I just think we're we're living in very interesting times, and I think what has happened has been so important and so necessary, and I think there is still a long way to go. But I also think that's not... You know, like there's, there's, we've got to include men. We've not got to be afraid of our sensuality, no. embracing our sensuality. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, like looking at some of, you know, the influences that next generation that are coming up. Some of them are actually very, very provocative and want mm. to kind of almost reclaim the ability mm. to be sensual. And mm. So it's a, it's a really, really interesting time for Porter. I think all we need to do is make sure we are having the conversation that our readers want to have. And yeah. I, for me, I listen to them. I just my biggest job is listening to what. We're women want and I think we just you know that's what we do we listen we have a dialogue and we have to keep the conversation going wherever that conversation leads us we have to be absolutely at the heart of that conversation so you wouldn't say that your approach has changed since fall 2017 when Weinstein broke and everything else followed on no I mean we were kind of you know we kind of we were already having those conversations beforehand you know, we ran a you know we ran an interview with Monica. One of the very first interviews Monica Lewinsky had ever done. My namesake. 
Just that, that's a joke. <laughs> yes, that's a joke. I, I was thought you were modelling yourself. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's complicated. I think relationships between the sex are complicated. Stories are complicated. We all grow up. We all do things, and I, I just feel like as long as we're covering those stories and we're talking about those yeah. things, that's important. Of course, when you look at our incredible women list that we do every year. The year after the me, you know, you know, this year after Me Too, it was there were a lot of you know we were reflecting the culture and we were reflecting the zeitgeist um, and reflecting the conversations that are happening today. Um, so yeah, as a magazine editor, you have to exist in that world. But um, yeah, I think it's important to be positive always. So so going back to you as a magazine editor, you were at Harper's Bazaar for twelve years, was it? Before, twelve years yes. before doing this. When you look back at fashion. In the early noughties, how do you define that era? How has it changed? What are you, what are your stories? <laughs> stories. Which kind of stories? Uh, Is there anything like you're proud of or you regret? I just feel like it was such a different time back then. Yeah, I think it was. I think it's interesting now because I think that it's so much more democratic now. I love all the new voices that are in fashion. I think fashion is owned by like a few people, and they said this is how it's going to be and I think it was very you know the trends you know now I I don't even know like you know like having a point of view on fashion is really difficult now because there's so many points of view you know Mm. you can buy a trench coat every season you can buy a mini skirt every season or a maxi skirt you know it's it seems like fashion has been reclaimed by you know by the women who are actually wearing it and by a, a whole new generation of voices I mean I you know I, I mean, you know, I, when I went to Harper's, it was Harper's and Queen. So I was incredibly proud that I managed to, you know, persuade Hearst and deliver Harper's Bazaar after 30 years. Why did it change? Well, in 1970, Harper's Bazaar and Harper's and Queen uh, merged to become Harper's, Harper, to become Harper's and is it, Queen. I don't know right. what Harper's Queen is. Harper's and Queen, you see, you don't even know. No. Okay, right, so... There used to be a magazine. There used to be a magazine called Queen Magazine, and then there was Harper's Bazaar. Oh. And in 1970, see a little bit of magazine education. They merged to we become. We should know this. Well, I'm not, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, we're not English. That's Maybe true. that's why. It, no, it's they were English. Yeah, and see, I grew up English. in France, yeah, so, so and I grew up in Canada. You grew, you're, you're <laughs> so ex- we're allowed not to know. We're excused. You're excused. Thank goodness. Okay. So they merged, and then so there were all these Harper's Bazaars popping up all over the world as magazines. You know, you know extended their reach into different territories but Harper's and Queen was this sort of anomaly Um, and so I was like god you know but the history of Harper's Bazaar is so excellent and when I'd come it was very society magazine it was very like and so I said look we should there's room for another big fashion title look we've got Harper's Bazaar that incredible legacy of like a little Burris in the States it's an amazing publication we then looked at, looked into the history of Harper's Bazaar and it was beautiful you know the, yeah. the history of it in, in, in the UK and so I sort of rather boldly decided that well, this is what we needed to do and we went through this kind of like Harper's it was Harper's with a large queen and it was Harper's with a small queen and it was Harper's with a small bazaar and then finally we got back <laughs> to the logo and it was like <laughs> everyone was very cautious but I was like this is the right thing to do and that's been a great that's not been, like Iggy Sleeman scratching accents off and upsetting the whole wild yeah. world <laughs> no, exactly we were, we were evolution not revolution that's what my, my people told me all the time <laughs> um, but that was you know that was a kind of pride moment and I think you know for me I just think that you know going into this new digital era not new Digital era, old digital era has just been amazing, and I, I just think it's breathed new life into fashion. I think mm. there's so many different voices, so many different perspectives, 
I think it's fantastic and I think it's healthy for fashion, really healthy for fashion. For sure. So um, let's talk about the latest issue of Porter Magazine, Winter 18. Uh, love this cover. We're looking at it right now. Of the Margot beautiful Robbie. Margot Robbie. 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 I think Australian. I think. Robbie. Yes. Um, in what appears to be a shallow pool of water, um, and giving us a very intense gaze. She is intense. I love her. Why is she a great role model for young women she, and readers of Porter in general? Um, She's great, Margot. She's very, very in control. Like, it's interesting, actually, going back to our conversation about Me Too. She's almost of that generation where she's kind of just done it that way anyway. She's almost a bit surprised by Me Too. I mean, she, she does admit in there that she had some counters that were kind of, you know, that were, you know, was part, you know could have been part of that conversation. But she... I first met her in February, uh, BAFTA dinner, we sat next to each other and she was just fantastic and I, and I had the director of Itonio on the, side of, the other side of me ah. and I said, oh, so, you know, amazing casting of Margot Robbie and he said, I didn't cast her, she cast me ah. and I was like, wow, so I was like, you, so she's the producer, she's, I love this next generation of Hollywood actresses, they're not just like mm. turning up, doing their mm. bit, they are taking control and I love mm. those women and I think that makes her porter um, she's she's great. She's super down to earth. Very, she was very very focused. She'd slept for two hours. She'd been on set till six a.m. and then she'd had two hours sleep and wow. breakfast and come on set at eight and was divine and brilliant and a total professional. So a real grafter. Um, but I just I was just really inspired by the fact that she's you know she's taken control of her own life and I think that's that's what's exciting about that I think this whole times that we're living living in have encouraged people it's like you make the movie you choose the group you decide mm. who's directing you that kind of idea of that sort of cut it's a million miles away from the kind of casting couch which I know obviously still happens and is happening less but you know it was it was fantastic working with her she 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 was great and we always try to do that with our porter covers we try to find something and you know we, we try to find women who have stories to tell so the models that we work with whether it's Anya Rubik and we're working with her on Oceans or Dabson Cruise and we did our whole elephant project she's very associated with um, the Elephant Crisis Fund and um, you know we love we don't ever just use girls to wear clothes we want to tell their stories mm. and so Margot is mm. a kind of perfect example of that yes my other story that is my love is the story of Iman. Yeah, that's, what, that's what Kelly yes. was just going to ask you about. Sorry, no, she's no, 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 but no, go on. Yeah, go I'm on. Obsessed. Yeah, she's yeah. amazing. That doesn't happen very often. It felt and like Lila, my our wonderful travel associate, just came in with some. She said, "Oh, I've got you know, we have a page called I, you know, One Day Last Summer, and it's like a nice." It will always get like it's often a supermodel and it's, he's reflecting on a shoot maybe she did in India or somewhere incredible so you know I've got these amazing pictures of Iman and I was like wait a minute I, I've never seen these pictures what is this and we basically discovered that um, Iman obviously was catapulted to kind of global fame through the work that she did with Peter Beard but Peter Beard actually was introduced to her by this wonderful female Italian photographer Morella Riccardi and Delilah had gone to her house to try and find some pictures and had found you know there was these kind of 
was one of those old treasure trusts. It's actually her daughter who helped us find them. But it was that thing of seeing something, and I was like, I'm sorry, my dear, this is not going to work for your spread of your filling. And she was like, Oh, why not? And I was like, Because it's going to come and it's going to be a 12 page story (laughs) in the the well. Thank you so much. And it was amazing. And then I saw Iman at the Ralph Lauren 50th anniversary in New York, and she was like, and I said to her, and we just contacted her to say, you know, can we photograph you for this? Can we talk to you about this? It's amazing, these pictures. Basically, um, Morella discovered her, shot her, and then uh, her and Peter met, and then Morella documented that very first shoot with Peter Beard. So you see it, Peter Beard shooting Morella, uh, shoot, shooting Iman, so it's this beautiful thing. And Iman said to me, I never thought about that. I was discovered by a woman. And it was just kind of a, a beautiful mm. story, but it's, it doesn't really happen very often. And that's one of those places where print comes into its own, because you can just, it's just gorgeous, it's like a book. And she says that saying that the, the story's confusion about her being discovered by a man when in fact it was a woman photographer that found her is typical of the patriarchy Um, what do you make of this do you think fashion is an industry overrun by the patriarchy as well or do we have a unique situation in which women hold the power or is it both I think, like many industries it has been a patriarchy for a long time and I think if you look at you know a lot of the senior business figures in our industry you know are men but I think that's changing I think it's changing fast um, Certainly at Nesporte, that yeah, was never the case. I look at Nesporte, I look at mm. Natalie, I look at now Alison Lerner, our president. You know, we're a company being run by a woman. So um, that is great. I look at the change that... I, th- I think women are... I think women are particularly brilliant at being change agents. That's what I think. Natalie was a change agent. I think... Um, uh, you know, you look at Stella McCartney, look at what Stella's done, you know, with this UN charter, really trying to really mm. change the way we do fashion. So I think we should think about it in an incredibly positive way. I think there are more females working in those CEO jobs than ever before. And I think that Being I think that's exciting. The US Senate. Yes, mm. exactly. All these, it's all happening. these elements are happening. And I think it will... And I think that we, yeah, I, I think and fashion is a perfect industry. I mean, I've always felt a bit odd when I'm asked that question because I look out here and I've got a hand, you know, there's a handful of men on my team. So I've always felt like, oh, the world is a great place. It's run by women. But obviously, you know, in that environment that we work in, it is. But I think it's, I think there's still a way to go. But I definitely think fashion is, is it can be an example, actually, to other industries mm. about the amazing role that women can have in it. The other thing that fashion has been sort of accused of, um, but it's true, fashion did kind of long adhere to a very westernized ideal of beauty. Um, so you have Iman in this issue talking about her status as a refugee, yeah. which was really interesting. Uh, there was also Amy Mullins, who we thought was very interesting. What an incredible CV. Uh, she's walked the runway at McQueen. She's a Paralympic finalist. And now a Hollywood actress, and she's a double amputee. I mean, what an amazing... Why is it important to make sure that minorities uh, get to share their stories in the fashion industry? I think that's, I think that's one of the most exciting things for me about yeah. working in fashion, is you do have the ability to tell stories that need to be told and need to be shared. That yeah. may be a story about an individual... Maybe you know, like an Iman, like an Amy, or it may be a story, you know, like about the environment, about these issues. Fashion has incredible influence; it has incredible reach. I think when you've got some of those stories to tell that are more issue-based, um, it's a very good place to tell it. I remember when we did our ocean issue. Hope I'm not going off topic. No, 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 I always do. No, no, this um, is but when we were doing our ocean issue, 
which we did last which we did in, in, not last summer this summer god it's like it feels like 100 years ago um and we worked with parley for the oceans and it was really about um setting up a you know trying to how to reduce plastic from our industry it's an amazing catalyst for change there actually being we interviewed cyril in our sustainability episode did you yes. oh i think cyril might be making an appearance on monday i know night. Yes. Awards, i've been, been told very ah, exciting, very exciting. I, I think this will be released, be released afterwards so yeah oh that's we, good okay we, so i can say yeah you can, can say, say. Yeah. um but when we worked on that it was really exciting it was very educational and you know for our team for me personally it was massive glass bottles as you can see ladies in the office now mm. everything yes um, but what was interesting is that we had a we did the issue with Mario Sorrenti with Anya Rubik we dedicated it's actually still up on the wall because I love it so much I love having Mario Sorrenti shooting a kind of beach scene you know a, a scene full of kind of flip flops and discarded flip flops and bottles you know alongside fashion imagery it was it was kind of to be able to do that yeah. and you know it was it was an amazing time and you know we we had a visit to um, our tech offices by you know prince charles and camilla and you know i walked them through and wow. talked to them about it and they were like gosh this is amazing you know in a fashion magazine to cover this i said well, it's really important we have an audience and basically cyril then sort of landed on me that we were going to be going to the un on world ocean day on the 8th of june and in typical Cyril style, he wasn't quite clear about what I had to do at the UN. I thought <sighs> I was just going to be listening. And then sort of 10 minutes before, he's like, I think uni should make a speech. I was like, I can't <gasps> make a speech at the UN. Like, what do I well, know? Good I mean, I, I'm in this. And then he said to me, okay, it's not a speech. We're going to go, we're going to get all these people up on stage and you're going to talk about, you know, what you, you know, like about your, your relationship with the ocean. Anyway, so up on the stage gets Sylvia Earle in her 80s, you know, spent more time underwater than any other living wow. being, has been a Lego queen, you know, loved by Obama, by Leonardo DiCaprio, has been the first woman to be made into a Lego character. We've got Jacques Cousteau's nephew, <sighs> Jacques Cousteau's nephew or grandson who's sort of discovered ancient oceans. We've got like a, a, sur a big wave surfer who's surfed through plastic. They're all like people who have literally dedicated their lives to the ocean. I was kind of penultimate speaker and I was literally like what am I going to say in my three minutes and I actually said you know I stand before you as somebody who is a representative of the second most polluting industry in the world I said so that's not a great thing but what is a good thing is I have a really highly engaged audience the fashion community and audience it's amazing we can message in the most powerful way and actually you can talk to people who are already converted and already know the issues we can talk to people who don't even know there's an issue and we can be your storytellers and that's what i pledge to you yeah. today is to, wow. to be wow. your storyteller and it felt like such an, a moment and it kind of really reassured you know made me think this is why i love magazines because yeah. you can do things you can affect change and actually by putting amy mullins in that issue and talking about that and talking about disability it's important, and you're, but you're doing it in an interesting way. And I, that, for me, is what I love about Porter, is those that's our women, that's who we want to represent. Porter has actually, just coming back to the, the details of the magazine, it has exceeded uh, circulation expectations, like, by a mile. Can you, what is your, how did you do that? When you started a print magazine, when everyone else was starting digital, how does, how did you those people with it was there like a 
Well, we're, yeah, we're, we're fortunate in that we're within, you know, we're part of this amazing Netaporte world. Yeah. So we exist on the newsstand and we have a very good, healthy newsstand circulation. But we're also able to, you know, communicate with a lot of people. We do give Porter to our very top, our top, well, you'll both know it, EIPs, extremely important people, which is the Netaporte equivalent of a VIP mm. for those that haven't worked in Netaporte. Mm. I know that. So mm. they've, They've received that. It's very important. It's a nice sort of gifting element that we give to those people, maybe 20,000 or so of those issues. But we also have a really healthy subscriptions model mm. because, of course, we have an incredible database to communicate mm. with as well. Um, but I think also we're six times a year. Um, we, I don't quite know how it's happened. It just seems to have struck a chord. And I think that, that mm. being... We were never earnest, but we were just very, very serious about what our intention was, was to put the woman at the heart of the decision. The other magazines are struggling against, you know, maybe with different figures. You know, they have to almost like look after the industry more. And my view is that if I've got to look after her first industry second if I look after her it will be better for everybody involved and so you know we've never done sort of big advertorials big you know we don't mm-hmm. we, we just we just behave we've, we've actually had we it seems crazy to say it from you know, you know Porter powered by Netaporte but we've actually allowed, been allowed to have extreme editorial authority it's truly not a catalogue is basically what you're no, saying further thing from it yeah. no, we, which is I think what people were Going, yeah. accusing you of before it launched yeah. and like it's just a glorified catalogue and, and it definitely so is it's we, we just the complete opposite yeah. Margot Robbie's wearing Chanel on the cover you know I know Nette Porte one day would love to have Chanel but you know that's that's Chanel we yeah. work with all the brands yeah. the Porter Edit the digital the Porter.com that is all Nette Porte because when people go onto that yeah. and they they want to see if they see something they want to have it immediately it so we talk on that cadence Porter's a different it's a different mm. element Entity. but what brings them together is that point of view celebrating women delivering them the best fashion and, and the best thing. styling and the best photographers I'm I'm you obsessed with one of yours I'm obsessed with Morgan Pilcher oh she's amazing I love her so much everything she does is no, so it's amazing good. she's incredible and we have some really fantastic members of the team and they mm. you know everyone here is so passionate about it and it, for them it's wonderful because they're talking to a global audience which doesn't necessarily always happen uh, can, we, can we sort of end this little chat with <laughs> never asking about never. You? <laughs> we, we know you. you're very busy and we're going to have to let you go yeah. soon but we want to ask you about yourself a little bit because I think our listeners also want to hear about how successful women in the industry got their start. Did you always know that you wanted to be in fashion? How did it happen? Um, no, I didn't. Can you tell I didn't us know. Your life story, tell me my life in story. Five minutes. Two minutes. <laughs> Two minutes life story. No, I always loved. Um, I love photography. I'm a big art and photography person, and so I actually studied art at university. That's what um, history of art. I love visuals. I, you know, my favourite thing is going through edits of photography or layouts or this or, you know, like working with Mara Sorrenti, working with those people. It's a dream for me. That's an absolute dream. Um, no, I kind of ended up. I went. I didn't. I was supposed to be a classical musician. Oh and wow! I, yeah, I, was, I had a place. What instrument? Uh, flute and harp. So yeah, and piano. So I was supposed to be a classical musician, and that's where I was going. And then I sort of diverted to Paris for a summer, and then kind of stayed. And I just got a job working on a uh, on a small magazine over there. And I just thought, my God, this is amazing because I loved art, I loved architecture, I wanted to be kind of everything. And the lovely thing about working in our business is that you kind of you can dip in. One minute you're 
you know, with an amazing director, the next minute you're with a, you know, you're, you're able to almost like satisfy all your kind of personal passions, whether mm-hmm. it's architecture, art, music, theatre, film, fashion. Um, and so I sort of discovered fashion through the lens working on this magazine. And I just, I love curate, I love curating. I think if I hadn't been that, maybe I'd have been a museum curator if I hadn't been a musician. I just love that idea of like curating and and for me actually it's, it's just that thing of you know when I went to Harper's it was like I was like god you can almost like you're like it's like you're being a movie director but you're just like creating this woman and this life that she's leading and where she's going and who she's meeting and I, it was just a, like a dream really I loved it I really loved it and the dream aspect of fashion, I think, is still important, even though it has become more dem- democratic. Yes. Because it escapism. is escapism. Yeah. I think people need to not forget that. That's what fashion was made for. Well, it's high, fa- high fashion. ultimate escapism. Yeah, of I course. I mean, you know, you succeed if you're, you know, if you're too real. Some, some people do succeed by being very real. But I think there's still an element of beauty and aesthetic and storytelling. Karl Lagerfeld, I think Chanel, you know, just the storytelling of Chanel, like, was just in the show in New York, like, two days oh, ago. Oh, yeah. I and it was just exquisite. It and I was talking to Amanda Harlick on the plane on the way back, and we were just talking about how he'd sort of brought these different eras, and he'd worked out. You know, it was just like, it, yeah. and you know, it's sort of effortless. Like you don't, you, yeah. you don't. Weren't you sitting on the old Egyptian ruins? At we the, were. Yeah, we that's... were. We were sitting amongst like the Temple of Dendur, that was the ancient in the Met. In the Met, you know, first fashion Incredible. show for thirty years, and I think that sense of. You know, the, you know, it's beautiful when you present Yeah, fashion. I always feel I we discover it. so much culturally. I mean, especially in Paris, maybe. But actually, London's getting really good at having us to museums. Yeah, and, it is, and uh, it's funny. When we when we do a shoot for Porter, we always try and tell the story of where the shoot is. So mm. we're doing something. We don't just go and kind of, like, rate the landscape for, like, a pretty Great. background and a pretty landscape. You know, we, we're looking to... You know, my, I'm very fortunate that my woman is very sophisticated. She's very intelligent. She's very well-traveled. So actually, if we go to a destination she wants to know the history she wants to know where she can stay she wants to understand the story behind it and that's you know it's not like you're going to a kind of grungy thing like shooting in some grungy warehouse that's not Porter it's not I'm here to colour in her life and to show her all the most beautiful places in the world and I love doing that what a nice job I mean I love doing that it's nice so one last question to end on Um, what advice would you give to a person who's dying to work for a magazine like Porter well I think it's probably dying to work in fashion, really, isn't it? I mean, or some. I mean, the media in that business of yeah. Although I like to differentiate because here's the thing: I think that there's a lot. I think fashion has been really democratized, but I do think that it's important to think to yourself to have goals. Yeah. Because I think that there are a lot of people today that are like, I'm going to be famous because I have great taste. Yeah. Yes. Great. But goal setting is important too. I think so. I mean, I think get in the door first. Yeah. And I think the one thing I think is really, really important is that whenever I go to a meeting with a brand, with anything, they want to talk to Gen Z. They want to talk to the millennials. They're all struggling with that. So if you're a Gen Z or you're a millennial, like, you've got something already. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that. Insight. And, you know, it's exciting. Like, And I, I just, I feel like, Oh, knowing what you love and being able to make yourself indispensable in an organisation by being, you know, I, I just think there's more power than you possibly imagine. I think it's changing. I don't think it has to be as hierarchical. I mean, I'm very open. Mm. I, mean, I think that hopefully the, you know, Delilah and our, and our travel team coming mm. up with an amazing story and finding that herself. Um, Even having us today, I feel. So I think, yeah. 
no, having you here, I hope to come every day. Um, but, but no, I think in a way, like, I, I just think it's, I do think the one thing is, grow, I think hard work, I really yeah. think that's important. I think sometimes people, as you say, it can be like, I'm going to be famous, like, you know, for what? And how hard have you worked for that? And I think if you can't, if you can get yourself as a work experience or an intern or a magazine and a media organisation, be indispensable yeah, and learning Think, structure learn the structure respect the structure know that maybe when you're you know you come in you may have to work till 10 o'clock at night but that's maybe what you have to do you know we've all done it I've yeah, done yeah. it I've done it we've done it till 1, 2 and I do think that's something that's changed there's a lot of kind of like oh well I can't do it yeah. my and rights my rights which and, you and, have and which you have but also it's like I think working in this business you need passion I mean I, yeah. I've interviewed so many people over the year and they may have everything written down on this piece of paper in front to them that makes them the perfect person but when someone comes here and they're engaged they know the audience they know your product they come in with like uh, with absolute passion then that's what I that's when you rise you know I when I went to Tatler there was no one looked after the the covers they was kind of the bookings editor doing models but they didn't really have anyone doing the covers there was no one really and I was like I'll do the covers and I was like I'm to Hollywood right put all these people on my cover it's going to be great and suddenly I was indispensable because no one has done that before and I'd just taken a massive headache off my editor who was like oh god I'm not I sure love that I piece of advice that. make yourself indispensable Absolutely. just do honestly any work experience who's come in here who has been that good I have found a job for Nearly, nearly. <laughs> on that, make yourself indispensable. Make yourself indispensable. Yeah. Thank you so As much. You both are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So much. Thank you. Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, was Lucy Yeomans uh, broadcasting right from her office in Netaporte, London. I'm so grateful to get to interview people like that. I Me really too. Think it, I can't believe how lucky we are. Yeah, you, you, you're really reminded of how how much time and effort and thought goes into these things, which I think people tend to forget that a magazine is not just a few pages with clothes put together. That, that like you know, the people behind it are really taking the time to think about who they're putting on the cover and why, and how they're communicating to the people that are going to be reading their beautifully put together pages yeah so i cannot recommend more that you go get your winter 18 issue of poetry mag powered by netta porte and thank you so much for having us thank you so much as usual um we want to say thank you to everyone who's tuned in again this episode to listen um more rate and, more and review of rate and review yes, if please. you love us please rate and review someone gave us one star which okay yeah <laughs> i'm feeling really so upset most about. of you gave us five stars love you thanks if you gave us one star, maybe Kevy was mean to you Sorry. at a party. No, but... I'm not mean to people. <laughs> Monica, no, but I'm very sensitive. So, I mean, I accept. You know what? Like, if you are giving us a one star review, which I fully accept, this is a free country. But please, please, constructive criticism. If there are things that you want us to do differently, we are all ears. We're very open to anything you want to tell us. Questions, as you, we have um, an email address fashionnofilter at gmail.com and in an Instagram account which you can also slide into our DMs if you have anything to say but as always I think if there is anything you want us to do more of or less of it's always nice to yeah we'd love to hear your feedback yeah and uh, and thanks for all of the people who are enjoying season two for tuning in and for your great reviews and well I guess we'll see you next time for a Christmas special oh yes indeed See you soon. Bye.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.